and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and welcome to yet another Dragon Con episode of the Needless Things podcast and the first episode that is a recording of one of the panels that I did at Dragon Con. Now, before we get into that, I want to tell you to please go to supportphantom.com. Check out the rewards that you can get for supporting the website, the podcast, uh, game show that I host, all kinds of other stuff that I do because my job job income goes towards supporting my family and, and everything else. And uh, I, I have to pay hosting for the website and the podcast and all of the crap that I do as Phantom Troublemaker. So go to supportphantom.com, look at the rewards. Uh, you can help out by uh, with a dollar a month, $5 a month. $30 a month, whatever you're comfortable with, or just spread the word. But there are rewards on there. There are specific things that uh, that I can do. You can come on the show. You can get advertising on the site, stuff like that. So go check out supportphantom.com. Okay, I did that as quickly as I possibly could because I want to get to the show. Uh, i got to tell you, DragonCon was fantastic. I think you guys have probably gotten that idea from uh, last week's episode with Mike Gordon from the write-ups that are going up on needlessthingssite.com now with my recap, Beth's recap, Jerry's talking a little bit about con, Christina's got something going up next week. And, uh, excuse me, got to hydrate. Long day at work, very tired, very ready to watch the newest American Horror Stories, which came on last night. And apparently a lot of people don't know what to make of it, so I'm excited to see that uh, because I, my, my opinion often differs from the norm. Well, not often, but sometimes. Sometimes I delight in what other people find baffling. Uh, so I want, before we get to the meat of this one, I want to tell you about Shooter Jennings. And this probably could have gone on a later episode, but thanks to some technical difficulties during the panel, this episode, or, or the meat of this episode, as I tend to refer, when I do notes and stuff for the show, uh, I have to separate out the parts. There's the intro. There's the intro music. There's the outro. There is uh, Miss Lady Flex, a.k.a. Dana Swanson's lovely uh, final closing comment, tagline, whatever it is for the show. Each thing is a part that I assemble into this podcast whole. And whether it's an interview, a group discussion, or a live panel, I refer to the main segment of the show as the meat. So that file is labeled, uh, for instance, for this one, nt one, two, five, meat. So the meat of this episode is a little bit leaner than normal because we lost about 10 or so minutes of the recording because we weren't on my normal recorder. And, and, and I don't know, I don't necessarily know that Rad Ranger's recorder is uh, any lesser than mine, uh, but the quality just wasn't the same as what I'm used to. Now, it is entirely possible that the fact we were sitting under an air conditioning unit affected it somewhat. Uh, but we just, when, when I went out to the audience, which is a critical part, this is the Toy Stories panel. And for me, uh, my favorite part is going out to the audience, talking to them about their toys. Unfortunately, you guys aren't going to be able to hear that. Uh, if you did just hear a little chime from my computer... I, I want you, to, if you didn't hear it, good, and I'm being very unprofessional now by pointing it out, uh, but I'm four minutes into this intro, and I'm on a roll. I'm really pissed at my computer because Twitter just sent up some kind of notification bullshit about football. You guys know how I feel about football, baseball, most of your standard sports. I don't like them, and for Twitter to have popped in here and fucked up my intro with their little chime to notify me about some sporting event, you can imagine how furious I am right now. But I also got a funny little bit out of it, so let's continue on. So, the meat of this episode was reduced because... The portion where I took the wireless mic, and oh, wireless mics, do I have some stories about them. Uh, the the por that, that portion is pretty much unlistenable. Uh, the, the one fella was loud enough to hear, but it's really, it's, it's bad. Uh, and it's unfortunate that it's bad, but it just is. That's how it is. 
and that part is cut out. So instead, I'm going to talk to you here in the intro about Shooter Jennings, who I had the pleasure of seeing perform live at Dragon Con on Friday night, and who I was able to meet and speak briefly with at his table, because the bands that perform at Dragon Con have tables uh, that they or their representatives man all weekend long, and I was surprised to see Shooter Jennings sitting at the table with his wife uh, there, ready, accessible, ready to talk. Because I don't know how big Shooter Jennings is. Uh, obviously, there's his, his name itself is recognizable, but as far as the world of music, this is my first exposure to him in these last few weeks, so I don't have a frame of reference for, for his level of fame or notoriety or whatever. But I was surprised to see him at the table. So he's at the table, I walk over, and I want music. I want music, I want to talk to him, and I want to get a picture with the guy. Because anybody that's cool, I want a picture with him. So, and this guy, believe me, if you've ever seen him live or if you have the opportunity to see him live, you will see he is cool. So I went to the table, everybody was very nice. I said, I want music, here are the songs that, that uh, got me the most the other night. What what do I buy? I want those CDs. And then I realize that the T-shirt he's selling is a freaking DragonCon T-shirt. Uh, you might see it if you follow me on Instagram, uh, Phantom Troublemaker. It's a big circle. It says Shooter Jennings at DragonCon 2016. Big selling point right there because I've never seen a band with a DragonCon shirt like that before. The picture in the middle of the circle is a big, gigantic-ass dragon with Shooter Jennings on the back, holding up a warlock guitar. Or, I'm sorry, it's not a warlock. It's a flying V guitar. That might be a warlock, now that I'm thinking about it. I wish it was sitting in front of me. But anyway, it's a badass guitar. It's a badass image. And it's a Dragon Con t-shirt for a dude who put on a show that rocked my ass. And that I stayed through the whole show. That doesn't happen at Dragon Con. If you guys go, you know there's so much shit going on there. You can't keep anybody's attention for 45 minutes for an hour. The only other bands that have ever kept me through their entire sets were the Misfits and Calibries. Shooter Jennings is now added to that list because before I even realized what was happening, he was saying, thank you so much, Dragon Con. This feels like home. I hope, you know, I'd come back, whatever. Uh, platitudes, earnest platitudes, but platitudes. Uh, and closing it out. I was like, holy shit, I just sat here and watched this whole set, and I didn't even realize it because it was so badass. But anyway, got to talk to Shooter Jennings a little bit. Uh, told him I had a podcast, told him about the game show, because to me it's important to express when I meet somebody, hey, I do stuff. Uh, and he told me, he was like, oh, man, well, I just recorded the first two episodes of a podcast, and I'm going to tell you guys about that podcast right now. You need to go to Beyond the Dot Black which is where Shooter Jennings' podcast is, and listen to its all-conspiracy stuff. And it, what it relates to is the album Black Ribbons, which came out in 2010 and is being re-released this year on Election Day. The album features Stephen King voicing a talk radio host named Will of the Wisp. Now, if you're a wrestling fan and you know Jeff Hardy, that probably makes you chuckle a little bit, but in the context of Black Ribbons, it's pretty cool. Stephen King, Will of the Wisp, is on his final night on the air before the government takes control of the airwaves, and only government-sanctioned uh, material will be broadcast uh, in the United States anymore. So this is this guy's last night. And there's a band called Herophant that is kind of the, the through line of this concept album, but it's all about conspiracy stuff. It's all about reptilians and Freemasons and the truth of love and the illusions uh, of of the world and media control. I mean, it's it's uh, pretty heavy, thought-provoking stuff. And whether you take it with a spoonful of salt or whether you let it sort of stimulate your mind a little bit, it's fascinating. I love it. I love this show. And now I'm absolutely determined to have Shooter Jennings on the Needless Things podcast. So if you know Shooter, tell him to come on the show uh, or just shoot him an email saying, hey, there's this phantom guy that wants to talk to you. I sent him an email today, a hopeful email uh, telling him while relating our discussion at Dragon Con and then just saying, hey, man, love to have you on the show. I want to talk to this guy. Whether he sits on a panel on one of the discussions we have, whether it's a straight-up interview, whatever, I just want to talk to him more. So that's uh, go check out Beyond the Dot Black. Uh, stay tuned for Black Ribbons, which I cannot wait to get my hands on this album. 
uh, or this reissue, I guess, and it's a deluxe thing that comes with CDs and vinyl and all kinds of extra outtakes and instrumentals and recordings and all of the episodes of the Beyond the Black podcast. So I'm, I'm stoked for this. I want you guys to go check it out. And if you poo-poo all the conspiracy stuff, I still think this could be interesting to you because Jennings frames everything... Uh, he, it's, it's very interesting because there is an everyman aspect to the way he presents things and he relates it to television shows and music and whatever else. But at the same time, he throws out some pretty high minded, complicated stuff in a very palatable way. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him. I, there are three episodes up now. I can't wait to hear more. So go check that out. And that's my plug, uh, support phantom, go check that out. And uh, go check out Beyond the Dot Black, or just Beyond the Black, and I'm, I'm sure you'll come across it. Because uh, in my head, Beyond the Dot Black is, is confusing, but also very cool and a little mysterious, which is the whole thing with Shooter Jennings. So let's get this guy on the show, hopefully. All right, so Toy Stories panel. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, thank Rad Ranger that we even have the recording for this because my dumbass had the lock switch on my recorder and thought it was broken. I've never had a problem with that lock switch before, ever. But I thought it was broken. I thought I wasn't going to have a recorder all weekend. And fortunately, Rad Ranger stepped up and was like, I got this. Let's record. Uh, but like I said, we were under an air conditioner, the wireless mic. Uh, wasn't broadcasting super well. You know, I don't know what factors led to the audience stuff being unlistenable, but it is. So I've just gone a little long in the intro. And I just want you guys to know Dragon Con was fantastic. This panel was a lot of fun. There are more panels to come over the coming weeks. Uh, I might actually have more panels than I have weeks in September. And I have not yet listened to the Shining panel which I'm very nervous about because it, too, featured an air conditioning unit right over our heads. Uh, but it was done with my recorder. So we'll see. My, uh, it, it has overcome worse sound obstacles, worse oral impediments uh, before. So we'll see what happens. But right now what you've got is a fun Toy Stories panel. I hope you enjoy it. Please check out Shooter Jennings. Please uh, give... Give Dragon Con a shot. If you've never done it before, uh, then check it out. But if you're not into Dragon Con, if you don't care, I still think you'll enjoy this panel. Because, hey, it's, it's dorks telling stories about their toys. Enjoy. see this happen again next year, please rate us. Uh, five stars if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, we're part of the costuming track. <laughs> None of the buttons are working. Well, okay. Uh, so, do you need a recorder? Uh, we got one. Sean's okay. going. I got one. Okay. I'm just dismayed. So, I have introduced myself, and then I will go down the line here. You are... Oh, starting with me? Yeah. Uh, we're going to go to you last, because this is your ball game. But, him, you first. Alright. Uh, I'm Sean the Rad Ranger. That's okay. it. There we go. Wow, that's it? That's good. Yeah. That was quick. Yeah. Me. I'm Noel Wood. I'm Rebecca Hunter. And our host for these festivities is... I'm Phantom Troublemaker. I run NeedlessThingsSite.com and the Needless Things Podcast. And this will be recorded for an episode of the Needless Things Podcast that you'll be able to hear on NeedlessThingsSite.com after Dragon Con. So, did it, were any of you guys at Toy Stories last year? I would imagine most of you were because there's about an eighth of the audience that we had last year, so it's, it's uh, uh, surely some familiar faces. But what we do is, those of us sitting up here at the table, uh, we have each brought a toy or toys that has a story attached to it, a sentimental story, uh, something about how we got it or a part that we played in our lives, because as geeks, as collectors, toys have... Uh, an, an iconography to them. They symbolize certain parts of our life, uh, things from childhood, things from when we were expanding our interests, uh, the different things we were into. So a specific toy can have a lot of emotional weight attached to it, uh, good or bad. 
And I think that's a very interesting thing, and it's a very easy way to start conversations. So what we do is we have our toys, and we tell you the story attached to them. And did any of you bring toys with you? Excellent. Uh, Once we're done, we're going to come out and talk to you guys, and you can share your stories as well. Because that's, you know, I like everybody to get to talk, everybody to get to share something about uh, their fandom. So what we're going to do is start off with toys are collectible, obviously, and one of the uh, one of the pitfalls, I guess, of getting into toys is they're kind of like potato chips. You can't just have one. And there's always a gateway toy. If you collect lines of action figures, there's always that one that you get and, oh, this is it. I was just going to get this one, but I can't. And what happened to me, uh, a few years ago, Mattel started redoing the Masters of the Universe line. And I avoided it for a while. Uh, when I was a kid, I really dug He-Man. I loved the cartoon more than I loved the toy line. Uh, as, as classic and wonderful as the toy line is, the shared parts just co- didn't quite do it for me. I liked the crazy characters and everything, but the style of toy, it just wasn't my favorite. But a few years ago, they launched Masters of the Universe Classics, which are all of the classic characters done in a more modern style, sculpted by the Four Horsemen, who are big names in toys. I'm sure most of you guys have heard of them. Now, Mattel did a Comic-Con exclusive, and then they started releasing sort of one-by-one. Here's Beast Man. Here's, uh, it wasn't the monster it was uh, in this past year. And, and I said, I can't get into that. I'm not going to start a new He-Man toy line. As cool as these things look, as much as I liked the 2002 Masters of the Universe toys, I'm not starting this mail-order thing where I have to pay for shipping and all of this. But then they hit one of my soft spots with Scareglow, who is a glow-in-the-dark skeleton with a purple cape. And I can't resist a glow-in-the-dark skeleton with a purple cape. (laughs) So Scareglow goes up for sale, and I said, okay, this guy can just go with my horror stuff. He can go, you know, with, with all the... He's a skeleton that glows in the dark with a purple cape. Uh, he can go with the horror stuff. I can set him off to the side. I don't have to have a Masters Universe display to put him up there. He'll just be a fun, cool, one-off, Halloween-y kind of figure. It'll be cool. And he even came out right around Halloween. Uh, so I ordered him, and I got him, and he's absolutely incredible. The articulation is fantastic. The sculpt... And uh, once again, Mattel did use a shared sculpt system for this line, but... Uh, to, to much greater effect, I think. There was a larger variety of parts. The characters, uh, with the posability, Beastman has essentially the same frame as this guy, but you can pose him to look like Beastman. So it's a very different thing. So I got this guy, I was blown away, and I was like, okay, next month they're selling Skeletor. I love Skeletor, because he's a skeleton, and he wears purple. I'll order Skeletor, and he can stand over next to Scareglow on the horror shelf with all the other horror stuff. And now, six years later, seven years later, I have a eight-foot by three-foot section of Masters Universe Classics toys, complete with the new Castle Skull and Ram Man and Beast Man and Stratos and Zodak and everybody freaking else that they made, including these weird characters that I didn't even want, but I loved the line so much that I was willing to pay that money to get those guys I didn't care about because the ones that I did like were just, I mean, this right here, this is a perfect action figure. And if you guys know toys, you know that doesn't happen a lot. They're little quibbles that you can have, but for what you want out of a Scareglow figure, first of all, he glows in the dark like crazy. You have never seen anything glow like this. I'm actually a little concerned to be holding him because I think there might be something radioactive in this guy. Uh, but he's just action figure perfection. And for, for all of its flaws, the Classics line nailed action figure perfection enough times to be worth it. So this was my gateway. This was my 
$26 that, that was just going to be the one drop in the bucket that turned into an entire collection and seven years of ridiculousness from Mattel. So that is my initial opening Toy Story. Let's move on to Sean, the Red Ranger, who has uh, somewhat of a connected tale. Similar, yeah, similar. Uh, they actually probably would have had much the same frame back in the 80s, yeah. uh, same feet and everything else. Uh, the glasses are just branding, this is not part of the toy, because um, I'm the Red Ranger. So, uh, growing up... That's not just crazy talk, he actually did just host the Power Rangers panel uh, right. with all of the attending Rangers. I mean, and it's still crazy talk, but... he's. Uh, if you notice, he's glowing more than Scareglow is right now. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so yeah, and actually, you saw me on Toy Stories last time. I talked about the origin of the Rad Ranger name and where that came from. So go back and listen to an, uh, that episode of Needless Things. You can find it at NeedlessThingsSite.com. It was the, from the Joe Lanta podcast. panel, right? Yes, yeah, the Joe Lanta panel uh, from from uh, uh, the Great Atlanta Toy Show. So for this one, I did something different. I didn't go down the Power Ranger route. I actually went further back, uh, and I'll share it on my Instagram, the Rad Ranger um, on Instagram. I actually have a photo of myself dressed as this character for Halloween. The year he came out, nobody knew who the hell I was. Uh, my sister was She-Ra. My brother was He-Man. Uh, so I guess it wouldn't have been the year he could come out because She-Ra came out a little bit later. But around that same time, everybody knew who they were. And they were like, why does your brother have a football helmet on? Because everything else looked the same. But I was like, but I needed the Zodak helmet. And uh, just everything about this character. He was actually the first. This is not the original one. This is one that I've gotten since and have, have fixed up. Um, but the very first Masters of the Universe figure that I got was Zodak, and I was over the moon. And I was already over the moon with uh, Masters of the Universe as a cartoon. I, uh, anybody that knows me, I've told stories of my super cool uncle that got me into comic books and into drawing and, and, and just all kinds of artistic endeavors. And uh, my uncle was really into a lot of Frazetta uh, and um, uh, Simon Bisley type artwork. And anything he did, anything he touched, I thought was the coolest thing in the universe, and so I wanted to be a part of that, and I wanted to understand that. But I was like six, so I didn't really understand Frazetta, because six. Um, but then uh, Master of the Universe came out, but it, and it kind of looked like that. It had like these crazy barbarians and this awesome stuff, but then it also had this Except weird... they had clothes on. Right, except they had clothes on. Um, and uh, yeah, it was kid-friendly. Um, they had some clothes yeah, on. Yeah, a little bit of clothes. A little bit of clothes. They had more, pants. More than Frazetta yeah, stuff. Everybody had that fur bikini. Right. They had, they had pants, so there's that. Um, and some itch, yeah, and some boots. So when Master of the Universe came along, I was like, this, this is cool. This looks like that thing that my uncle has that I absolutely love. And so like every other kid in the 80s, I told mom I had to have it. And uh, Zodak really appealed to me because he was even, he was like a, I've always been a techie kind of person. I'm a software developer now. I'm like, I just came out of the womb a nerd, and uh, just the timing worked out well. And so I looked at him, and I was like, this guy kind of has this um, this sort of outer space thing going on, and uh, but then he's got these like monster features. And, and Zodak, if you don't know, when he was originally released, was supposed to be a villain uh, on the original card back. And then somehow that just shifted, and then he just became a cosmic enforcer, and he doesn't actually have any sort of alignment. I suspect what my headcanon is that uh, when Mattel released him, they all, people liked him so much, and so many kids were playing him as a hero that they just made him not aligned uh, rather than trying to push him down. It's just going, no, he's a bad guy. And when he did finally appear in the cartoon, he kind of had this sort of non-alignment thing. Um, then went on to get some awesome figures in the 2000X line and uh, got a really interesting backstory. And so ever since then, I've got uh, I've gotten most of the first four waves of this old series. The newer stuff, the Motu Classics, uh, the 2000X series, I don't collect a bunch of those, and just because that's a, a rabbit hole that I can't afford to go down, but I have... Tell me about it. Yes. Uh, I, but I have multiple Zodaks from, from various lines. I have a Zodak that came with a Green Lantern, which was just too perfect to pass up, uh, if you notice the, the Green Lantern ring. So I was like, alright, well, so I, I need to have that Zodak. I have the standard Motu Classic Zodak. I have the 2000X Zodak. I bought a Strobo because he looks like Zodak, and he's kind of in that lineage. I actually uh, have gotten into customizing, and one of the first big, true, more than just a repaint customizations I'm doing is a, is a character called uh, Strobo that's based on this on this body style. I um, feel like you're leading up to telling us you've ordered a life-size Zodak. Do they make that? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I, I figure he's going to cosplay him next year. Uh, I have a lot of weight to lose before I can 
where one of the you, actually I think you get a lot of weight to gain before. What? you <laughs> Well, and so funny enough, so that's so not only did I get this, and it was that, and I and it gave me this weird kind of connection to my uncle and the stuff that my uncle was into. Um, but I was starting to get into art, and, and I started off like most kids, just copying comic book pages and copying that. But then I wanted to make my characters a little more dynamic, and I got really into sort of mutated figures. And it was uh, the Motu figures that I would use. I would pose them as I wanted to draw. Like I want to know what a character looks like doing this. So even with just the five points of articulation and a hip swivel, uh, I would pose them in ways, and I would just start drawing them. So if you, I don't know that I have any of the artwork. I looked to try to find some to bring here as an example, and I, I just couldn't. But all of my early artwork was just blatant copies of He-Man and Beast Man, and what I would do. <laughs> I was reusing parts. It was the same body, and I would change the head. And I'd be like, he's a mutant. This guy's a horse. And, and it would be the same exact body, but with a horse's head uh, or a dog head. And, uh, and, and honestly, I kind of learned how to draw and, and got a really uh, off view of anatomy by studying Masters of the Universe figures. Um, That's all right. And, There's and, a whole generation of kids that learn to draw from Rob Liefeld. Right, and they that's really don't understand anatomy. Uh, but yeah, or and it, feet, or feet, hips—they don't understand what a waist looks like. Um, oh, I've never seen a foot. Um, but yeah, and all of that started with this—the uh, original version I had of this figure. And let's so, hook everybody up because uh, anybody that's collect—does anybody in here collect the vintage Masters of the Universe figures? Because yeah, they're it, very tough to get to stand up. Yeah. And they uh, actually see, have these little stands now. Yeah, this is, uh, these are a 3D printed stand. I, I buy them every time the guy releases a new batch. It's uh, Retro Toy Review. He's got an Etsy shop, or Store Envy shop. So I think it's Retro Toy Review. Um, StoreEnvy.com. Totally worth it. He gets them printed out pretty quickly. Uh, he does them in different colors. They've got kind of the Castle Grayskull sort of rock formation to them, and they are the best. And you can order like a set of 15, and it'll come with a mix pack, and it'll fit all the feet. The female figures, the uh, the, the boot figures, the evil villain feet, uh, even up to the horde and the snake men. And there's so. all kinds of stuff out there like that. Like if you search online, if there's some weird thing going on with your toys, and you're like, why is, does this keep happening to this, or you lose a part or whatever, 3D printing is changing yeah. toy collecting for accessories, for, for everything else, because there are artists out there making crazy stuff to go with your toys uh, and the prices are they're, they're getting they're, they're, yeah yeah they're I mean if you know what it costs to buy a 3d printer and a 3d print something these are a very reasonable price so yeah and this one is actually a double fix I had uh, when I first got in the legs the rubber bands were just shot so he's got the the uh, o-ring and eyelid so he, he looks cleaner than I remember him looking in 1983. Yeah, I'm, I'm OCD. <laughs> I, 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 I His back always freaks me out. Well, because he's covered in hair, um, and so am I. So Let's not make uh, judgments here. Right. <laughs> like those of us that can't get to the hair on our back, uh, my beard extends around that way. Awesome. Well, thong. Uh, thong. Wow. Where's my mind? <laughs> Sean, thank show. you so much. I know. Tomorrow night, big night. Hey-o. Hey-o. Thank you. Uh, Rebecca. Yeah. What have you got for us? Well, no, I'm jumping around. Oh, I like this. You keep the audience guessing. Yeah. Um, so I am an a-hole and didn't actually bring the toy, but I have a good reason. Get out. I know. <laughs> um, the toy that I have that I most love is in storage. Does anybody have a storage unit? I know we have a pain in the ass. I have a storage unit, and all my collectibles were in it when it got sold off. Oh, no. Oh, no. I started off story over almost from scratch. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, I didn't have time before DragonCon to get to the storage unit and get in. Anyway, so my fascination is with toys that either intentionally or unintentionally scare or gross the crap out of me. And the toy that I was going to bring, and, and I must admit I'm probably a little bit younger than the rest of the gentlemen on this panel, was Are you calling me old? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was a doll. I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm a girl. It's a doll. But it was one of those. It was in the same era as, like, Teddy Ruxpin and all those, the, the moving mouth you put in the cartridge and reads the story. Is a doll called the Pamela Dolls. Anybody remember this thing? It came out in, like, 87. That's ringing a bell. 86. 
It looked like a little girl. She had pigtails. You put a cartridge in the back. She came with a color form book. Mm. And she would talk to you based on what you did with her. If you clapped your hand, she'd say something. If you pressed her hand, she'd say something. Yeah, that's familiar. She's like a proto-Furby. I guess you could say that. But there, there was an urban legend around this doll Ooh. that there were very <laughs> that it would kill you. Something like fifteen hundred, and I grew up in New Jersey, so I don't know if this is a regional thing or not. But there was an urban legend about this doll that some, you know, just like the Disney animators that kind of slip things in every once in a while, programmed a couple of these dolls to say some pretty nasty things um, <laughs> and or satanic things. Now <laughs> I did not have one of these dolls. I was like, oh man. Not, not as a six-year-old, but yeah, as an adult. And I was like, oh, man, looking for, you know, the cartridge, the right cartridge or the right, mecha- you know, mechanical order of buttons. In order right, to hit the, the left hand, the cheek, yes, the stomach. Exactly. Uh, oh, I found it. But I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. But, I, but since that time, you have a question? That kind of rumor may be the most 80s thing about that story. Yeah. yeah the Satanists, Satanists were big in the 80s. It was a big time to be into the devil. They were, yeah. Oh man, I did not know that. They were hot yeah. back then. Something new every there day. were satanic cults everywhere if you asked the right people. Oh my. Well, I was like six, so I don't think I was. Oh, so you would have been sacrificed. Asking. Yeah, that's right. I would have been like the sacrificial virgin or whatever. Oh, man, so. <laughs> so, from that time, from hearing about that, um, you know, things around the same time garbage pail kids. Do remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was already terrified of Cabbage Patch Kids, so that, like, took it to the end level. I cannot stand Cabbage Patch Kids. We drove by the Cabbage Patch Garden up in... What, baby, baby Land General. Baby yeah, Land General. And he's like, you want to go there? And I was just like, I can't even look. I think they're like, <laughs> evil. Um, but there were lots of other things that came out that were even just meant to be regular toys, but we had a gross factor to them. There's another doll called the Baby Alive. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that pooped? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. It's a powder. It was green, like baby food color. You mix it with water, and you would feed it to this doll that would go, nom, 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 nom. And it went through a tube, through the body, and came out in the little diaper that It also ripped out a bunch of kids' hair. Yes, and it would eat the hair. later, too, with some McDonald's toy that it had. But but anyway, that, that had a real gross factor to it because I would make my own little concoctions and be like, I wonder how this looks coming out. But I had a couple of toys that I've kept from childhood that that just they had this weird gross or and or crazy scary factor to them. So I really want to hear when we get to you guys some of the kind of toys you had that were real scary and creepy because it's really that's like why do they market these things to kids? I don't know. Because kids love it. Yeah. We love because you're well. Like once you get to six, seven, eight years old, you're starting to get to that age where like the weird and the macabre really fascinate you. I've got an eight-year-old son, so I am experiencing this now, where like he's starting to really appreciate creepy, weirder stuff, and I, I think that's what it is. Mad balls, garbage pail kids, um, all that kind of stuff. Well, especially was, in the eighties when yeah. they had to think. I mean, like. Chucky was based on my buddy. Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Kids sister, and I can never look at that doll the same way again. (laughs) Those things are all nightmare fodder. Yeah, absolutely. Nightmare fodder. I really feel like it started in the late 70s and early 80s. Like, Poltergeist era, you know? Yeah, Poltergeist had the clown. Which, <laughs> and, you know, bad enough that the clown and Poltergeist, you know, jumped around or whatever, but then in the 80s, like you're talking about, they started putting the animatronics into these creepy, horrible monstrosities. <laughs> so they did move on their own. You wake up in the middle of the night and Teddy Ruxpin sitting on your shelf with his head spinning around and oh, his little yeah. mouth. Now that happened with, that's the only creepy thing I have with the Pamela doll, is that after a while she'd turn off. It would be like 15 minutes later, it'd be quiet, and all of a sudden you'd hear... Bye-bye. Oh, uh, oh God. <laughs> also, Thank you, you for that, Rebecca. No problem. <laughs> also, on that note, when your speaking spells battery got very, very low, it would start talking to you in the middle of the night and go through, like, its entire vocabulary and then say goodbye and shut off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, electronic also, toys are terrible. Pull strings, so they didn't actually run on battery back then. And so it was just the motion of the pull going back and that made the voice box. The cow says... That thing starts talking, you got some crazy hauntings the cow says, kill mommy and daddy. <laughs> Give me good old-fashioned radioactive plastic over batteries any day of the week. <laughs> Gary, I understand you also do not have a toy to share? Because it's an untimely Yes, so when 
I was eight years old, the movie Alien came out. And we went to visit my grandfather up in Maryland. And I really wanted to see this movie, and they had a board game, Alien. And I was like, oh, this Alien thing looks cool. And then we went back home, and I kept bugging my parents about Alien and Alien and Alien. And I was like, no, you can't watch this. No, you can't have anything of this. And I was bummed out for like a year. Then we go to a flea market. My mom was a huge flea market nut. We went every weekend to two different flea market places. And there was this one vendor there that we became friends with, this older couple, no, Stark home, no, Nana, the lady around the place. And we go in one Saturday, and they have that 12-inch alien figure that got Oh, out. my gosh. That, that for a long time, like, I thought was mythology. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I was going to ask for like, Sears catalogs when I was a kid. Before Toy Fair magazine came along, like, we didn't have a good reference for older toys like that, especially limited runs. And that alien figure, for years, I thought it was just something somebody, oh, yeah, I saw one of those. Like, no, you, come on. Nobody's yeah. making an action figure like alien. Like right. the sound wave that actually played music. Right. Yes, 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 exactly like that. Or like the satanic Pamela doll. Right. right. It's, yeah. it's all myth and legend. Yeah, so I go in there, and, you know, just there's all the stuff and up on this shelf in the corner is that alien oh, standing there and it's you know staring down at me and I'm like oh you know and I'm like bomb 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 she's like no bomb bomb and that went on for like the next eight months <laughs> every Saturday we go to the flea market we'd go to that vendor bomb 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 no Christmas comes I'm opening my gifts I'm getting some nice cool stuff I've got the picture here put over the your best I pop it. You know, I had I got a little model of a functioning human heart, which was you know it was a little four chamber plastic thing. You put up the valve and it went. But I get the figure. Nice. Nice. You should put that on the Sci-Fi Classics track. Instagram I will. Account. You should text it to everyone. I will. <laughs> Can you guys just real quick? Everybody just shouting numbers out all at once. Oh yeah, all at the same time. <laughs> so I I get it, and I'm like. Happiest nerd. I mean, you know, the only articulation that is its arms can do this, its legs can kick. No, 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 Mister. If you're doing this with your arms, you got to get up. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) And the head would not turn, but it had a little trigger on the back that would make the mouth open and shoot out the. The plastic piece that went over the top of the head, covering the skull, glow in the dark skull paint, had come off because it was at an. Sure. It was at a, uh, at a flea market. But it didn't matter. I you had would have it. taken that off anyway. Right. And they glowed totally in was. the dark, which was, you know, cool. I would glow in, I'd stay in the corner, and he'd scare me at night. So I've got him, I play with him, and I play with him. I had a great time. He's too tall to really play with my other figures, but he's still terrorizing them anyway. Sure. I have him for about six months, and his right leg comes off. I mean, just literally, the, the way they made it is... There, there was a round hole for the leg to go into, and they molded the leg with a little round protrusion. The body was a clamshell. Stick it together. Oh, okay. The little internal piece broke. That was it. That was all she wrote. There's no way you put the leg back on. Yeah. Except glue. So I'm still, I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop playing with him. <laughs> so I'm playing with this one-legged alien out in my yard. <laughs> Did you name him Champion? Yes. <laughs> and, no happy child, that's Gary. Yeah. <laughs> and so I leave him outside one night to go in, just because I was I had a setup. I didn't think where he was doing the thing. I get up the next morning. My dad had decided to mow the lawn. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, poor Champion. Champion didn't make it. <laughs> I, oh I got God. cursed out by my dad for nearly ruining the lawnmower. Sure. Forget about the Sure. No, no. No, no. Dad's right. Dad's right. You can tell which one of us has this. (laughs) And I'm just like heartbroken with these pieces of alien. (laughs) And if you didn't cause something outrageous these days, I would get another one. But still, I mean, I was just, I just, for me, that's one of those, it was like one of the best Christmas ever because I'd spent so long begging for this toy. Well, and like we were talking about before the panel, even the reproductions that they've made cost a fortune. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where it's like, why did you bother redoing it to charge the same as what an original one goes for? Right. Now, the naked ones, I, I'm definitely going to get some of those. Those yeah. are great, but... But they're not nothing, the same. They're not, because he's big, he's plastic, he's chunky. 
Yeah. You know, he doesn't move worth a crap, but he was still just... He looks like a 70s toy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was... advertising the comics? Because there was, only the, there was no line. That was, that was the toy from Alien. Yeah, that was it. And uh, the ads I saw in comics at the time... Would also have they also were marketing at the same time Rom the Space Knight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Same page and how the half that page would be the alien toy, half the page would be the be Rom the Space Knight. Yeah, and I wanted a Rom desperately too. Oh, yeah. I never got Rom either. I never got Rom. I did get him. He's about to get re released. Oh, yeah. yeah, Rom is Hasbro universe. Yeah. yeah. IDW's already got a new comic out. Mm-hmm. Well, Gary, thank you very much for that chilling tale of Champion's Ultimate Demise. Yes. God, we went from evil Satan dolls to Aliens getting chewed up by lawnmowers. You know, oh, please have a please have a happy story. And I'm posting it to the Facebook group right now. Does it involve my little track. pony? No, but I do think mine's a fairly uplifting thing. Actually, and I don't have a toy. I have a bit of a cheat, but I have something better because. Did you guys a- read the email I sent? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the email you sent. I don't know. This is a picture of me dressed as my favorite GI Joe action figure ever, uh, who is the character of Scrap Iron. Um, in 1982, when the G.I. Joe Real American Hero stuff started up, I had gotten into G.I. Joe because my uncle had willed me a bunch of his 12-inch figures from when he was a child. And so I immediately glommed myself onto the, to the G.I. Joe toys. And the first couple years, I don't know how familiar you guys are, but the first couple years, the Joes were pretty kind of generic army guys for the most point. They had, you know, they were wearing green, and they had, you know, standard-issue weapons and stuff. The one exception was kind of like Snake Eyes, who was the all-black commando. And Cobra only had a couple of guys. They were just faceless troopers and commander. And then a couple years go by, and the characters get a little bit more colorful. And um, by 1984, uh, the character Scrap Iron came out, and he was, he was a Cobra, like, weapons designer. Um... And it's one of the figures that I, I really didn't even know much about the character, and I just got him randomly for my Christmas for Christmas for my birthday one year. And the figure had not just a really great looking sculpt of the figure, but it had the best accessory of any other character from G.I. Joe. He came with a rocket launcher, which had two little red rockets. You put it together; it was modular. The little legs went together. The top went on it. The little and the you know nothing spring loaded or anything. It didn't fire. This was 1984, so we didn't have the technology we had. We, we were still suffering in the fate of the rocket firing Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Right. <laughs> also, one of those toys of out. legend. And yeah, yeah. For years, <laughs> didn't think that was real either. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple micronauts that shot that shot. Yeah. The, yeah the well, the, yeah. Say something. Those were dangerous. Okay. Never okay. Nice. Okay. Um, but so, you know, I that he was always at the forefront of all my battles when I was a kid. So as years went by, and um, you know, I, I still have all of my original GI Joe toys and stuff. A lot of the O rings have rotted out because they were made of rubber, and eventually they just broke out over time. And I've replaced some, but many of them are in halves and boxes and stuff somewhere. Um, but I got into costuming, and it was a little bit, you know, later on. I, I kind of bit into the costume bug late. Um, I used to kind of, like, come to Dragon Con in 2001 and 2002 and be like, I'll never be like those people. I'll never wear a costume. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, Which, if you but, know them now, that irony is thick. But, but I, got, I got to know a few people who are uh, members of The Finest, which is the, uh, the G.I. Joe costuming group I'm part of, and Rebecca here is part of as well. Um, and they're just really, really good people. And like, so I got really interested in doing it. I did a Sergeant Slaughter one year because it was really easy. And I did an Outback because another G.I. Joe character was really easy. And this was all stuff that I could do very, but I was like, I want to be a member of Cobra because Cobra always had the coolest characters. So the first Cobra character I attempted to do was Scrap Iron. That is not a picture of me in that costume. Um, because the first time I did it, uh, I was like, well, he's got a pretty cool-looking helmet. I don't know anything about fabricating a helmet. That doesn't look like anything I can buy off the rack. So let me just do some research online. I did a plaster cast of uh, you know, what I thought would look like the helmet. I wound up pouring resin in it. I had like four weeks before DragonCon. Didn't have time to do fiberglass. And it was a mess. It was lumpy, and it had bubbles in it, and it didn't fit me right. And I was like, well, I have spent $450 on materials to make this damn thing. I'm going to wear it in the parade, because I said I was going to do it. Um, you could have bought two for that price, by the way. Well, and, and as, time went, as time went by, um, uh, there's a company called Pit Viper Studios, 
and they specialize in doing like replica props and weapons. They started off just doing GI Joe stuff, and now they're doing a lot of other stuff from other franchises and other materials. Uh, but uh, Lynn King is the founder and the owner of Pit Viper Studios. He sent me a message on Facebook saying, "I'm doing a scrap iron helmet. If you want to be one of the first two to get it on." So I was like, "Yes." Where do I sign up? Where do I fill my money? So sign up for it, uh, put that together. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this costume this time, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to build the giant-ass accessory he came with. <laughs> so I uh, came up with a lot of ideas on how to do it. And I wound up using foam core, uh, black half-inch foam core. And I built a rocket launcher that is literally 27 inches wide and stands about 19 inches off the ground. And I brought it here last year, um, did it in a couple photo shoots, um, and even brought it into the classic track room yep. last year at the end of the panel that I was supposed to be on and wasn't able to get to because I was doing shoot- uh, shoots. But um, that was by far my like my most um, intense work I've ever done in costuming was building that and getting that thing done last year for DragonCon. Um, so, yeah, that... That character in particular was always very close to me, and uh, of you know of a toy line that was always my favorite. He was by far the character that always resonated with me the most, and uh, so I had a lot of fun putting that together. And now I have an action. Now I have a, a, a trading card of me wearing that. So you know, not many people have trading cards of themselves. You literally <laughs> became your action figure. Yes. So one day I will be a skeleton in a purple cape. That's my plan. I, so I'll try to glow in the dark. Inside, you already are. If yeah, that's true, if if I if I handle <laughs> enough glow in the dark toys, maybe I too glow glow in the dark. You can probably just walk in the hospital. Well, uh, hopefully, by then we'll make sure that this is honored in your uh, at your wake. Yeah. Well, I'll, no, I'll be here on panels. Just prop me up in the corner, with my cape on. It'll be great. All right. That's and, just gonna and, be Monday. <laughs> yes. It, if I keep it up like I did last night, it will be Monday. He's just going to be a glowing skull standing in the corner with a cape. <laughs> Haunting you all. All right. This Sunday is morning actually my favorite part of the panel because we get to come out here and talk to you guys. Uh, show of hands, who, who brought toys? This is the spot where the sound fucked up. If you want to get past it, just speed it up. All right, we've got, um, I've actually got one more thing up here because I knew we were going to have to make up some time because we are waiting on the illustrious Joe Crow to return from his Judge Reinhold panel. That's which, right, Judge uh, Reinhold. I, I, uh, the Honorable I Judge missed Reinhold. Judge Reinhold to do this panel, so I hope you guys appreciate that. I'm kidding, stop. All right. He doesn't like Judge <laughs> Who doesn't like Judge Reinhold? <laughs> So, Doctor Who is one of my favorite things ever. I first discovered it in 1983 uh, when I was a kid, and I saw the Five Doctors Anniversary Special at Thanksgiving up at my aunt and uncle's house in North Carolina. Uh, I was seven years old. I didn't know what I was looking at at all. I just turned PBS on up there because I was tired of my family. Uh, (laughs) God, come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. And... I came in on the scene where John Pertwee is trying to avoid the assassin droid. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Scared the crap out of me. Because, as once again, seven or eight years old, I'm starting to become fascinated with stuff that makes me a little uncomfortable. Guy Gary with the alien, oh, yeah. Hamill, and all that. I mean, it's a, and his big bag of naked G.I. Joes, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Uh, so, uh, Doctor Who has been a lifelong love of mine. Uh, and for years... I wanted toys so badly, but aside from being shown on PBS, it didn't really have much of a presence in America, and nobody's making a toy line based on a PBS show that comes on 11.30 Saturday nights. Uh, so I just pined for Doctor Who toys for years and years and years. Uh, didn't I, I'm honestly not sure if I even knew if any existed or not, because to me, Doctor Who was not uh, the family program that it was intended to be over in England. It was just this science fit. It was, it was like Star Wars. It was like anything else to me. Uh, so, a few years ago, well, a few years ago, how time flies. Uh, sometime around 2005, my parents uh, flew over to the United Kingdom to travel around, did not take me with them. 
But it's because you were hiding from them watching PBS. That's true. I'd had enough of them. Um, my mom, before they left, had asked me if there was anything I wanted, and I said, "Doctor Who toys," because that's the kind of guy I am. And so she comes back and brings me a TARDIS bank and my very first Doctor Who action figure of my life, which was, let's see, 2005, so it was about 11 years ago, so I would have been 29 years old. 29 years old, I waited 22 years to have a Doctor Who action figure, but the one she brings back is not the right doctor, because we didn't know who this guy was at the time. It was still Christopher Eccleston on TV in America. And this guy comes back, and I think we were aware of Tennant. Like, I think we knew he was happening, but hadn't seen him yet. So she's like, oh, I'm so excited. I almost dropped my name there. She was like, oh, I'm so excited. I got you a Doctor Who action figure. Uh, they, They had a whole thing of them at some little pharmacy or something or other uh, and I got you a, a, a bank too it's some kind of blue box and I was like oh silly mother you don't know what a TARDIS is uh, and she comes back and she uh, she gives me this and of course even at 29 years old I'm still having to fake toy excitement because yes I'm thrilled it's a Doctor Who figure but who is this uh, but I left it in the box because I knew that I'd been waiting so long for this thing and uh at the time, didn't know that they would ever be imported to America, but now, uh, as with Masters of the Universe Classics, I have a big, huge section of Doctor Who toys because we're fortunate enough for the show to have taken off and become the huge phenomenon that it is, and uh, we've got all the Doctor Who toys we could ever possibly want, except for Adric. Oh, come on. You know you guys want an Adric. Somebody in here wants an Adric action figure. Yes, so I can set it on fire. Oh, stop, Gary. Hey, I said I your hated dad's lawnmower him. again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your dad apparently has a track record of destroying toys. I yes. wouldn't leave Adric in the lawn. No. I wouldn't leave your toys at Gary's house. No. Yeah, good Not point. a good idea. Not a good idea. Right. We are, uh, we are currently in a holding pattern. Now, what is this Waiting the, for what is Joe it? Crow. We got a couple. Oh, we, got we got a new one. Oh, we got another one. So, oh, I'm, I'm on, coming out to me, buddy. Oh, yeah. He's got a mic. We aim to please here. We Wait, we do? He's dressed, he's dressed fancy and he has a microphone. That's true. I really just wanted everybody to see my suit. So, <laughs> so what's your nice suit? What do you have? Uh, I don't have it. It's the heartbreak. I had enough of this. this is <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, growing up, like probably everybody in this room loves superheroes. Incredible Hulk was on television. Scared the hell out of me, but I still watched it. No joke, I was 10 years old before I watched a transformation all the way through. So, but uh, that's very small. Mm-hmm. I remember Christmas, I got I a big photo of that too. And correct me if I'm wrong, there was a Hulk base for the Mega. That sounds right to me, but I can't speak on it okay. with authority. I had no Miko accessory items, just the figures. So I have this very vivid memory of having a Hulk base as a kid, right? Like, I just, just like, I would tell people about it, and no one would believe me. Yeah. This is the one thing that I wish I still had. Because apparently, the Hulk base is the rarest like, Miko thing you can find. Well, of course it is. So, but... We don't lose common toys. Yeah. But the, the one that I will get back is the Hulk figure, because I had a thousand of them. I would literally play these things until they broke apart. And then my parents would get me, get me another one, because one, they were like on the clearance rack at that point, and two, they made like a million of these things. I remember going to Lionel Playworld and seeing pegs and pegs and pegs of Hulk and Thing. Mm-hmm. On clear, like twelve cents. Yeah. But if I had anything, I would just want any. Like you, you want Wayne Tower because Wayne Tower would be cool to have. But I just really wish I had. Now tell us about the whole thing. Uh, it was a triangle that opened up. Oh God, I remember that. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it like it was basically. Uh, it was like, vinylish, yeah, kind of. It was a vinylish type thing, and it, and, it, and it would form into a pyramid. Yeah. And it was like rock and and like machinery together, and you opened it up, and all around the um, the sides were like the scientific place where I guess Bruce Banner would do his thing, 
why the Hulk would keep, why would he would keep this for the Hulk, I have no idea, because he was probably constantly breaking things. Uh, kind of like when you leave your dog out and they get out of their cage and suddenly your house is trashed. But it was this, it was this really weird thing. It had like this one window, round window hole in it. Yes. Oh my god, I had that. Yeah, it, Did you leave that in the yard, too? <laughs> Did your dad it broke? No, I, I think it just broke. Because <laughs> it was the, the it was vinyl, and it had that cardboard with vinyl over, probably because that's what a lot of that stuff was at the time. And yeah, it, it, yeah it exactly what it was. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, like one of the fi- the panels like broke off, and I got rid of it. Sadly, like uh, we moved a couple times when I was a kid, and toys uh, on purpose. Maybe that's where all mine went. I think we've hit our limit of waiting for Mr. Joe Crow. I, I believe we have. Yeah. We have like what three minutes left? Yeah, I don't think we even have three minutes <laughs> left for a standard panel. Uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming out, talking about toys. Uh, it's one of my passions, and I absolutely love coming to Dragon Con. And seeing people come out and share stories that they have about the things that they love. Uh, please do check out needlessthingssite.com. This will post there uh, in the next week or so, probably. And uh, one more time, I want to go down the line, and everybody can put over their Twitter handle or whatever the case may be. You guys put over the finest, whatever you want to do. You've got a calendar out, right? with me? Yeah, yeah. Hi, uh, uh, Noel Wood. Uh, you can actually get, uh, you can go to dorkdroppings.com as my site. Um, and yes, I am a member of The Finest, uh, which is a J.J. costume group, and we're actually raising money right now for a really good cause, uh, Canines, for, Canines for Warriors. Canines for Warriors. I almost got the name wrong, but it's uh, we're, we're doing a calendar. If you look up Girls of the Finest, uh, you can donate money. We have about a month left to raise $8,800 uh, in order to... Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like, Girls of the Finest. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah it's, it's girls you know what we're talking about. Joe and Cobra costumes. It's a good count. I have she last in, year's. Yeah, good. We actually we're both in February of this year's calendar. So apparently, I'm going to be in it again this year. You're in yes, the thong, right? He's probably going to be in it again. Yeah, this he's year. in the thong. Right. Miss <laughs> 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 <Mr>. February. <laughs> mm, polar Viper. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter as at Gary underscore Mitchell Mitchell with one L. You can find me on the American Sci-Fi Classics Track Facebook group. And on the Facebook, and uh, as host of the Revcast and Rev News for RevolutionSF.com. And Mr. Sean, the Red Ranger Reed. Uh, you can find me online at theradranger.com, on Instagram at theradranger, Twitter the Red Ranger. I simplified my branding. Uh, and more importantly, you can find me tomorrow night, Saturday, 10 o'clock, at the High Regency 5 ballroom as part of the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. Uh, it'll be the best show you see at Dragon Con. I if you're 18 or up. Eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not 18 or up, don't come. We don't want to be responsible for that. Hashtag ballroom. Hashtag ballroom. What? Are you, are you part and parcel with Knowles, or have you got... Uh... Oh, I thought that we were like a package deal. No, no. 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 Uh, I don't do the Twitter, because... Um... I don't. Do, I can't express anything in 140 characters or less. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, mostly, uh, I, I'm going to be promoting the finest because we're pretty awesome. The finest com and on Facebook, the finest. Got to hawk our calendars to support money, uh, raise money for this cause, and our local garrisons, the Southern Command, the finest on Facebook as well. Excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for coming out, panelists. Thank put you for talking. Oh, yeah, put I did. did you? Yeah. yeah. Need this thing. I started with me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you did. I wish you guys would listen to me. <laughs> and bring toys. Were you talking? I brought toys. <laughs> Shoot me an email at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com and tell me which one member of the panel actually brought a toy as they were instructed to do, and I will send you something for free. I don't know what yet. It'll be something cool from the Phantom Zone. Uh, you, you will get a prize. So, yeah, phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Also, shoot me comments, thoughts, uh, interesting things you have to say whatever i'd like to talk to you guys or join the needless things podcast facebook group and i would love to hear your input there as well follow me on twitter phantom turbomaker on instagram phantom troublemaker on facebook as l phantasmus because facebook would not let me use the name phantom troublemaker and let me just tell you shooter jennings beyond the dot black 
has some interesting things to say about Facebook, Twitter, and social media. I urge you to go check it out. Uh, you know, don't don't just swallow it all, but it's provocative stuff. It'll get you thinking. I, I went down the conspiracy rabbit hole a few years ago, and even if some of it is outlandish and ridiculous, there's also a lot of truth to be found there. Uh, interesting list for sure. Go to supportphantom.com, see if you want to uh, contribute or just spread the word, and keep an eye on needlessthingssite.com. More DragonCon goodness, more non-DragonCon goodness, and in October, we will be doing our 31 Days of Halloween, which will be all month long, nothing but creepy, kooky, absolutely spooky, weird Halloween horror-oriented stuff. We've got some guests lined up. I've got exciting shows coming your way. Five posts a week from the Needless Things Irregulars. I've gone past the music because I wanted to be sure and put over my people. And now there's silence in the background and I feel weird. Weird in a way that Shooter Jennings won't make you feel because he has creepy, spooky Tales from the Dark Side music playing while he talks. I should take a note from his book and do the same thing. Maybe I'll find some spooky music in October to play. You'll have to tune in to find out. I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.